I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland, and every month I share a story. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time around, it's not what I told you it would be a couple months ago, and for that I'm sorry. The latest novel is clicking along toward a readable draft, and that's taken priority over new short stories for Not About Lumberjacks. And that's kind of sad, because the post-apocalyptic office story I've been talking about for, gosh, (laughs) a very long time is almost done. But I do hope you understand why you're getting an older, already written story from some time ago this go-around. It's still a fun story. Right now, good writing is flowing and 100,000 plus words are becoming very clear. And so, until the latest draft of the novel is complete, things may be a little sporadic here. Also, with an upgrade to a more secure website, just the HTTP to the HTTPS, some of you may have had your podcatcher push all episodes of Not About Lumberjacks to you. Something happened with the upgrade, and even I was like, Ugh, what the fuck, too. So pretend I'm Canadian for a moment, like Michael Howie, who did an award-winning job on narrating the Hide Behind episode. Sorry about that, eh? It won't happen again. Alright, let's stop babbling and get to work. Dear God... Jimmy Ingersoll started calling himself Jimmy Mack when he dropped out of college and decided to live on the streets. It started as an experiment for a sociology class, taking the train from Evanston into Chicago and watching the homeless. He picked up their mannerisms and paid attention to how they dressed. He listened to how they talked and followed them around during the day. When he was ready, he dressed the part and had his story. He told people he moved to Chicago from downstate in the hope of landing a decent job. He told people things didn't work out as planned and that's how he ended up on State Street in the South Loop, where rampant gentrification made it one of the better places in the city to be homeless. Jimmy had his cardboard sign, Need Money to Get to Harrisburg. When people asked, Jimmy explained, I grew up downstate and didn't want to work at Walmart or drive a coal truck. I figured I could find a better job up here in Chicago, but it didn't work out how I planned and now I'm thinking that driving a coal truck or working in an auger mine ain't so bad after all. At least I'd have a job. With his little routine, Jimmy made more money with his cardboard sign than some MBAs coming out of Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. It was a chilly morning when Jimmy Mack met the man with the stamp. Jimmy spent the morning weathering a new cardboard sign with his sob story. His old sign got wet and didn't make it home to the condo he kept when he started making good money being homeless. He learned enough about preying on human sentiments to know that a fresh cardboard sign made wealthy people feel like they were giving away their hard-earned money to a scam artist. 
A well-worn sign in downcast eyes made them feel like they were doing something generous. Jimmy was about to call it quits for the day when a thin man in a perfectly fitting designer peacoat approached. Jimmy made quick eye contact and then looked down in mock shame. The man stopped and handed a tiny scrap of paper to Jimmy. It looked like a postage stamp. Thank you, Jimmy said. It wasn't what he was fishing for and he'd throw it out the minute the man got out of sight, but for now, he was going to act gracious. You're welcome, the man said. Jimmy looked up. The man had a model's face. A well-manicured hand pointed at the stamp. That stamp is worth more than anything I have in my wallet. Jimmy put on his accent. How so? He was used to certain kinds of people messing with him, telling him to get a job and stop being a bum. He was used to people handing him wet beer labels, handfuls of pennies, and club flyers. In fact, it was one of the reasons he started working the homeless day shift. But he'd never been given a postage stamp. He looked at it and wondered if it was worth something. Do you ever pray, the thin man said. Yeah, sometimes. Jimmy hadn't prayed in years, but he knew the value to acting religious and saying God bless you to people who gave him money. And yet, you're still homeless. Think about that. I'm guessing everybody on the streets prays to get off of them. And yet, here they all are. Yeah? So? So, the thin man in the designer-cut peacoat said, prayer does not work. I remember watching the news about a bus crash a few years back. Many people died when a bus slammed into the supports beneath an overpass. They interviewed a survivor and asked how they survived. I prayed and I lived, she said. But all those people praying up at the front of the bus had died. The person who lived survived because she was at the back of the bus, the part that was not crushed and on fire. Prayer did not help the people at the front of the bus any more than it helped the woman in the back. Prayer is a sham created by humans. What's that got to do with the stamp, Jimmy said. That stamp is real. God does not have the time to hear the billions of prayers sent his way every day. He barely has time to answer his occasional mail. His mail, Jimmy said, slipping out of his accent. You're telling me God's got a mailbox? Yes. I know it sounds strange, but it's true. There are people who would kill for that stamp. You write a letter, put it in an envelope, drop it in the mailbox, and God will actually hear what you're asking for once. No address is needed. The stamp gets the letter to him just like that. He'll answer three questions. Any three questions you ask. Jimmy wasn't buying it. I thought that's what genies did. No, that's where they got the whole three-question genie thing. God was there in the beginning before we started making up stories like the Bible and genies. I'm supposed to believe this. That is totally up to you, Jimmy Ingersoll. He drew his coat tighter at his neck. What does it hurt to try? If I am messing with you, nothing happens and your life goes on like it is. And if I'm right, for just a moment, you get the big guy's attention. All it takes is writing a letter and mailing it. Nothing to lose, 
everything to gain. Jimmy returned to his accent. I'm homeless, man. I ain't got a mailbox. That is the beauty of this. It's God, man. You do not need a mailbox. His reply will appear after he reads your letter. Whatever. Jimmy looked down at the stamp, at a painted image of fluffy clouds with sunlight breaking through. If God had a postage stamp, it's what Jimmy imagined it would look like. Still, something about the whole thing seemed like a setup. You sure you ain't got no cash? The thin man pulled out his wallet from an inside pocket hidden away in his peacoat. He reached into the wallet, pulled out a hundred dollar bill, and dangled it before Jimmy. You have a choice. The C-note or the stamp. Jimmy looked at the man, the money, and the stamp. Running his fingers over the surface of the stamp, he could almost feel it radiating warmth, like the sun breaking through the clouds was real. He could almost smell the passing storm. He could almost smell hope. Jimmy then thought about the three questions he'd ask God. The God thing and Jimmy didn't get along. It wasn't that Jimmy didn't believe in God, but he definitely thought the guy living upstairs wasn't all he was cracked up to be by his followers. Jimmy lost his mother to cancer when he was five, and the two women his father went on to marry following the death were witches as far as Jimmy was concerned. His father was only half there for his son. Every time Jimmy got sick while growing up, he wondered if it was cancer. He never really had friends. When he was young, Jimmy Ingersoll spent a lot of time praying to God. Prayers that were never answered. He rubbed the stamp between his thumb and forefinger, thinking about the thin man's words. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. I'll take the stamp, Jimmy said. The thin man returned the hundred dollar bill to his wallet, and then slid the wallet inside his peacoat. Be sure to make that letter count. I have faith in you. You're quite articulate for a kid from downstate living on the streets. When the thin man was out of sight, Jimmy got up and headed home. Dear God, My name's James Ryan Ingersoll, but you already know that, I bet. I'd say I'm homeless, but you'd know I'm lying. I'll keep this short. Some guy gave me a stamp. He told me the stamp would get this letter to you. He said you don't have time for so many prayers, but said you answer mail to those dedicated enough to send it your way. So here it goes, my one chance to talk to you. These are my three questions. 1. I want to know why you killed my mom when I was a kid. 2. I want to know how I'm going to die. 3. I want to know when I'm going to die. Sincerely, James Ryan Ingersoll The next morning, Jimmy Mack didn't go to his job in the streets. Jimmy walked to the post office, dropped the letter in the mailbox, and returned to his condo where he waited. And waited. He sat for weeks, waiting for the answers to the three things he wanted to know more than anything. He wondered if his life of lies had put him in bad standing with God. 
He prayed that he'd receive a reply and vowed to go back to college and stop preying on the sympathies of others to make a buck. He vowed to finish his degree and help the homeless. But still he waited. He pounded on his walls one night, cursing the heavens for believing in something as stupid as the stamp. Then he dropped to his knees and apologized to God for not believing. Anything for the letter. Anything for the answers to his three questions. Jimmy Ingersoll was napping on his couch when he heard the mail slot creak and something fall to his hardwood floor. He ran to the front door and looked. The envelope had fallen face down. He picked it up and turned it over. There was the cloud stamp. The thin man wasn't kidding. He'd finally get the answers to the three things he always wanted to know more than anything else. More importantly, all his doubting was wrong. There really was a god sitting at some writing desk in the clouds, answering letters for those lucky enough to come across the magic stamp. He took a deep breath and closed his eyes. When he opened them, Jimmy read the notice from the post office written across the envelope. Return to sender. No god by that name at this address. Ah! Jimmy flew into a rage, punching a hole in the wall and tearing up the envelope. On the other side of the door, the thin man and a large friend made their way to the elevator. You are such an asshole, Loki, the big man said. But it cracked you up, did it not, brother? The kid was taking people's money. I'm simply teaching him a lesson. (laughs) Sure you are, brother. Sure you are. The elevator doors opened and Loki said, Why don't we go grab a brew and see what other trouble we can get into? I know a good place a couple blocks away. Thor clapped his brother on his shoulder. You had me at brew. A big thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. All music by Ergo Fismas and Poddington Bear, a.k.a. Chad Crouch. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice, talent, and music. And if you love the show, you can help out by sharing it with others, leaving a review or rating on iTunes, all those kinds of things. Really, though, the word of mouth is the biggest thing for me. Next month, or so, it'll either be that post-apocalyptic office story I've been talking about for some time, or something else as I wrap up a readable draft of the novel. I appreciate your understanding. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.